A note to our listeners before we get started. This podcast contains offensive and violent content. Please be advised. Previously on Verified. The American white nationalist movement, um, pardon my language, but is like fucking stupid. So for me, one of the big reasons of going to Europe wasn't just to like shake hands and, you know, meet people, but it was to learn how to totally ignore everything the American movement had done. I do believe that we should be concerned about the white nationalists here in this country connecting with the uh, European white nationalists because they've gone a lot further with their fascism in Europe. Um, they're uniting around the globe and they can, and they will find themselves a lot of juice to do um, some serious damage here. Throughout 2021, one U.S. official after the next began issuing warnings about the one type of extremist they're worried about more than any other, the one they believe is most likely to commit a lethal attack against American civilians. White racially or ethnically motivated violent extremists, including neo-Nazi groups, to be the fastest growing... When it comes to racially motivated violent extremism... Between 2015 and 2020, racially or ethnically motivated violent extremists were responsible... Today, racially or ethnically motivated violent extremists are the most likely to conduct mass casualty attacks against civilians. It's this brand of extremists that aren't just talking. They're willing to act. Here's U.S. Attorney General Merrick Garland. Many communities have experienced this horror over the past several years. In El Paso, 23 people, most of whom were Latino were gunned down while shopping at a Walmart. In Pittsburgh, 11 Jewish worshipers were shot and killed at their synagogue. In Charleston, a white supremacist shot and killed nine black men and women who were praying at their church. And many acts of hate-fueled violence don't make the national news, but they still terrorize entire communities. Today, we're going to get a rare glimpse into this group of racially motivated violent extremists, or RIMBYs for short. These are people who are dangerous and who you've probably never heard of. People like Chris Hood. We know that, you know, white people will be a very large minority and they're on the road to, like, literal extinction, you know, and I'm never going to be okay with that. You know, always over my dead body. We'll also meet a woman who's risking her own safety to expose people like Chris Hood. I'm just like a weird neurotic sword collector who tracks Nazis all day. That's what I do. If I get killed because I was talking too loudly about the dangers this presents, there are worse ways to go. I'm Natasha Del Toro, and this is Verified, The Next Threat. I wouldn't be talking to you guys, putting my ass on the line, being a radially, racially motivated violent extremist and all, if this wasn't happening. I want you to meet Chris Hood. He's a 23-year-old native of the Boston area who believes a race war is underway. Like, I see it on my phone. Like, I'm on Telegram. So, of course, these images and these videos go around. But, like, there's, like, women with strollers. There's, like, old people. Like, just getting, like, absolutely just, like, 
crushed, like crushed by just like these like just big black hordes of like BLM and like Antifa people. Even though we warned you at the top of this episode, we need to restate again that Chris's language is offensive and crude. But he is representative of a kind of thinking that we've heard before in this show, that the white race is in danger. We're not going to have any voting power. The local police are all going to be black. The military is going to be like black chicks. And, you know, we're going to have nothing. Like all the institutions will be taken from us. The political representation will be gone. Something to know about Chris is like, In the world of white supremacy, he stands out for aligning himself not only with racists, but with RIMVs, a subset of extremists that are willing to use violence. We're not going to, you know, bend our knee to anybody, you know, like if they're going to call us Nazis, it's like, sure, you know, we'll be Nazis for the day if you want. But like, what are you going to do about it? You know, and they're going to do nothing. Chris started his first extremist group in high school. Uh, It was a branch of the now notorious Three Percenters. It's a far-right anti-government militia group. Then, at only 18 years old, he hooked up with the Proud Boys. It's a a neo-fascist organization that promotes political violence and that became instrumental in the January 6th insurrection at the U.S. Capitol. I think I was in the Proud Boys for like six months. You know, all really cool guys, but a little bit out of my age bracket and definitely weren't, you know, interested in doing the things I was doing. Um, Like activism, you know, they were a lot more of like a social drinking club. But Chris wasn't old enough to join them at the bars where they hung out. And so he began looking around at other white nationalist groups. That's when he came across Patriot Front, which has a kind of theatrical approach to activism, staging protests, dropping banners off buildings, and creating slickly produced videos tailor-made to share online. To the American people, our movement is revolutionary yet familiar. We bring forth the traditions of our past imbued with new vigor to bring us closer to our grand vision. Our tradition is revolution, and our land is where tyrants come to die. Patriot Front was a new group, barely started, when Chris opened up his own New England chapter in 2017. In towns and cities across America, these guys are putting up posters and flyers with messages like One Nation Against Invasion. According to the Anti-Defamation League, the bulk of the racist graffiti and messages in the United States in recent years was put up by Patriot Front. Remember Jalen Gentry, the Black student activist from our first episode? I was scared simply because it happened literally right outside of my door. So in my head, I was thinking, oh my gosh, like white supremacists are literally outside of my door. It's a harsh reality. A white supremacist group had our campus. Her campus of Northern Kentucky University was vandalized multiple times by a white supremacist organization. That was Patriot Front. That was the same group that Chris was a part of when he was arrested on a weapons charge while posting flyers in 2019. But he's still at it. To this day, he uses propaganda to recruit others for his mission. So that's why we do the stickers and the tags, because in order to do anything big like that, you know, you need you need people, you know, Um, and people don't just spawn out of the ether, especially Nazis. But ultimately, Hood had even bigger ambitions than Patriot Front. And admittedly, where I went after that was the base. Now, I know that's like the the big 
you know, the big pariah in the room here. Um, and that was honestly, you know, I don't know if you're going to air this, but that was honestly a big mistake on, on my end. Chris is eager to distance himself from talking about this part of his life. The base is a militant neo-Nazi group with international ties connected to two terror plots. It's designated as a terrorist organization by the UK and Canada. Its founder is a guy named Ronaldo Nazaro, an American who's believed to be living in St. Petersburg, Russia today. Chris says he remembers talking with him. Nazaro. Um, yeah, yeah, he's a seemingly cool guy, I guess. Uh, probably... I don't know. I don't know what his deal is. He's from he's from Russia. But for me, you know, I don't do anything illegal and I don't have any, uh, you know, violent intentions. So I don't really worry about it. You know, he may be he can be whoever he wants, you know, but I didn't have anything to do with what they were involved in. That's what Chris told us, that he doesn't have any violent intentions and had nothing to do with the base. But then we obtained this secret recording. Listen to what Chris says to Ronaldo Nazaro, the leader of the base, when he's trying to join the group. We've definitely been wanting to get into more of the, you know, survivalist or self-defense uh, type of stuff that, you know, I know you guys are into. But, you know, we're definitely used to the idea of, like, traveling far distances to meet with other, like, networks of guys that do similar things and, you know, planning things that kind of veer, you know, out of the lines of legality. You know, frankly, like more like more militant, right, uh, type of stuff. And, and that's definitely the direction a lot of the guys want to start going in. Let me stop right there. He just told the leader of the base, Ronaldo Nazaro, that they're willing to veer outside the lines of legality. And later, he follows up with this. In, you know, a world where, you know, this small amount of people accepts that, you know, there's not a peace, peaceable solution to, you know, our racist problems, uh, then, you know, there's a numerous amount of actions that you could take. We asked Chris about this call and, and what exactly he meant when he said he wanted to be more militant. Yeah, so what I meant by, like, militant, right, is more so in the sense of, like, not like ISIS militant, but like in the European hooligan firm type militant, like, you know, militant is like, we got to get in really good shape, doing pull-ups upside down and stuff, you know, <laughs> sparring, beating each other up. Um, you know, I meant like that, not necessarily like, you know, blowing up power lines or anything. But then we heard even more of the secret recording. And in it, Ronaldo Nazaro asks Chris what actions should be taken to defend the white race. What do you feel like at this point is kind of the way forward for for activists or for people who are pro-white who want to do something? I guess the way forward, I would say, I mean, it's, it's definitely not going to be a peaceful one. Um, and, I, and I never really had any disillusions of that. You know, at some point we would be at a level where we could like do some, you know, 1930s style, like Nazi Germany, you know, overthrow the government or something like that. When we followed up and asked Chris to tell us more about what he meant by 
overthrowing the government. He wrote us back to say that he wasn't interested in talking with us anymore. Now, what we do know is that the leaders of the base took him seriously. Listen to them chat right after Chris's interview with them. I think he's would be a pretty good asset for us, especially yeah. having him up there. All right. Yeah, Come it's back. almost like uh, it's almost like like the uh, the big pieces of ice that are breaking off the glaciers. Like we need to get some more big pieces of ice, you know? Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, he's a pretty. I would say he's a pretty big one, you know, considering coming from Patreon being in that being the, the leader up there. I, it could so, be. So. It could be like the beginning of something much larger, actually. Um, yeah. Yeah. You know, like, as we slowly consume the Patriot front. And so after the call, Chris was formally accepted into the base and by the fall of 2019 became an active member. But just months later, the FBI started to move in on the base and began arresting some of its members for alleged terror plots, for crimes including illegally transporting a machine gun and plotting to kill a couple suspected of being anti-fascist. At least one of the people that you just heard on the call was among those indicted. Chris quit the base before getting ensnared in legal troubles and started his own group, the Nationalist Social Club. We definitely aim to be the physical and the ideological vanguard of white New Englanders. And that means, you know, if if white people in New England want to hold a political rally, you know, whether it be, you know, fuck George Floyd, you know, piss on his grave, whatever, you know, they should be able to do that because this is their country and their nation. And, you know, a group like ours should be able to exist to make sure that that happens. On January 6, 2021, Chris took his group beyond New England to outside the U.S. Capitol. We were there to ensure, you know, white safety basically escort people out of the rally from a few of the main kind of like choke points that Antifa would hang out at. Chris says he and the others never went inside the U.S. Capitol. They never wanted to. Their aim was to protect white people. If you're like a white family at a Trump rally and the only people that are going to protect you are dudes like us, it's not going to be very long until people are not really thinking the same way about fascism anymore. You know, they're going to be like, well, it's not very nice. I may not tell the people I work with that I'm a fascist, but, you know, they're definitely on our side. Like others that we've met in our story to this point, Matt Heimbach, the Spanish Last Crusaders, Chris is a kind of shapeshifter. At 23, he's already been part of a half dozen neo-Nazi groups. His loyalty is to the ideology of white supremacy, white power, but his alliances are fluid. And he says that himself, he's a modern-day, racially-motivated, violent extremist. How do you stop someone like this? I felt that being able to listen into their communications in real time was a useful method. Next up, we meet an activist who goes undercover online 
to infiltrate extremists. Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Hello, uh, welcome to my home. This is Talia Levin World Headquarters. World Headquarters, very it's, exciting. It's, it's just a room with a big couch that I sleep on in it. Talia is a New York City-based journalist, best-selling author about the far right, Nazi hunter, and sword collector. From right behind her couch, she pulls out a gleaming sword. Oh my lord, this is a serious sword. Union, um... Cavalry saber replica. So I thought, given my work, a sword that would have been used to kill Confederates seemed apt. Uh, my biggest sword is um, four feet long with a Star of David in the, in the pommel, and I feel very righteous. And You're a Jewish warrior princess. I, I guess. Talia is the granddaughter of Holocaust survivors and has been researching and writing about the rise of the far right since 2017. And what drew you to that subject? I think the big turning point moment for me was the Unite the Right at Charlottesville. Jews will not replace us! Um, just those chants of Jews will not replace us really shook some things loose for me. I think it shook me loose from a certain complacency. I'd been increasingly more politically engaged. And for me, it, it made me want to take a good long look at hate in the United States and uh, its history, its development, and I kind of haven't looked back. Spending day after day reading about groups that want to eliminate Jews gives her a sense of urgency to do this work. But it comes at a high cost. Like, I am just like a walking bag of neurosis held together with bubble gum and tape, uh, and also rage. You know, I, I feel very angry at these people. Um, I want to understand what makes them tick. I would say that the fact that it's so personal, that it's like literally directed at me and my family and people I know and love, make the stakes very high in terms of getting it right, in terms of experiencing it not as something fascinating, not as something wacky, but as life or death. How do you take care of yourself in terms of security? I mean, you've said that you've received numerous death threats. Yeah, I mean, the FBI showed up at my door and were like, hey, you have gotten death threats and rape threats. I'm like, okay, tell me what I didn't know. Um... I'm not cavalier, and I don't put myself at unnecessary risk. But your family's pretty concerned. Well, they've been targeted, and that gives me tremendous guilt. I hate that so much. Um, it's just, like, so monstrously unfair, because they didn't do anything except give birth to me. 
I was kind of surprised hearing how nonchalant Talia seemed about these threats, though she does take them seriously and says she doesn't take unnecessary risks. Her fight confronting fascists doesn't happen in the streets. Instead, it happens in dark corners of the internet where she goes undercover to meet extremists. She pretends to be like one of them to gain their trust and listen in on their communications. She takes on different personas for different groups. Hello, Patriots. Uh, sorry, I've been a little offline, just um, preparing um, for Christmas. And my kid's been sick, but thinking of y'all on Christmas Eve, uh, thinking about our duties for God and country, and um, sending my love to each and every one of you. Guns up from Patriotic Gem. It's December 2020. Talia's infiltrated a channel for a group called the 3% Security Force, a violent far-right militia. I, like, created a persona, mom of two, living in Maryland, like, um, and I tried to answer as she would. Did you get a response to that? Yeah. Hello, patriotic Jen. Guns up. Thanks for checking in. Guns up. Merry Christmas, patriotic Jen. I felt that being able to listen into their communications in real time was a useful method. And it was a, I mean, it was a new thing for me. I hadn't done, I had, I'd only done like fake voice stuff like once before. It's um, pretty, pretty convincing. Did you, were you nervous doing this? No, not really. I was a little nervous during my interview. Cause I like, I messed up like the shotgun I claimed to have. Like, I think I said like 20 gauge or something instead of, I, I like used a wrong term and they were like, sweetie, do you mean like, so, like the actual term? And I was just like, oh yeah, I'm just like really new to all this. And uh, just really want to learn from some wonderful patrons. <laughs> it was like, so it was very goofy. I was very nervous that I would say the wrong thing. Uh, several of them were involved in the January 6th uprising. I mean, it was very... Are you uh, serious? So the people that you were in this channel with were some of the folks that went to January 6th and stormed the Capitol? I mean, definitely affiliates of the 3% group. I, I don't uh, know if I was kicked out like pretty soon thereafter, just because there had been some leaks from the group and and they got really paranoid about people who hadn't shown up to to field training exercises, been vetted in person. But I was embedded in there for a couple of months, like checking in almost every night. What did it feel like for you to embody? I mean, it's one thing to sort of spy on these groups, but it's another thing when you actually become a character that is embodying one of them. Yeah. And certainly like using my voice, even an altered, slightly altered version of my voice was uh, a different step, even than embodying personas through text. I think my background in stand-up comedy and a lot of like really terrible amateur theater helped me out there. Spending all this time inside these groups Talia has become a kind of trend spotter for how the far right operates online, how they're networking. One of the things that I observed was a lot of commingling in different tendencies of the far right, like at the lockdown, anti-lockdown protests, at the Stop the Steal protests. There were white nationalists who showed up, anti-vaxxers who showed up, you know, uh, neo-Nazis who showed up and 
like MAGA patriot Trumpist types that, who showed up and they were suddenly comrades in arms, like fighting side by side. Talia shows me some of the other messaging channels on her phone that neo-Nazis are flocking to. It's this dark and seemingly endless digital world, a breeding ground for extremism. This is the, this the is a Western chauvinist yeah, channel. That's a different that's one, channel. How many followers does that channel have? 48,000. 48,000? Yeah. That's a lot of people. Fashwave has 7,000. Let's see. Shitlords Incorporated is a different one that's like mostly memes. And again, like just like video, racist videos, videos of violence uh, mm. that has, you know, 9,000 subscribers. There's Mind Comfy Corner. Mind Comfy Corner. Okay. Yeah, like so comfy, like comfy. That's more of a, a a a bot, but it's it's you know selling copies of Mind Comf. There's another video, Only White Lives Matter. Another channel that it has nine thousand subscribers. You know, white power, reclaim your birthright. Voting will not remove them. Alongside a picture of a white man beating a black man. And this is twenty four seven. Seven days a week, like just people are posting racist, offensive, anti-Semitic things to these channels. Yes. Murder the media, the war on whites, et cetera, et cetera. I think I subscribe to like 100 plus now. These channels, Talia says, are like a marketplace of extremism where anyone can find a steady stream of conspiracies about the extinction of white people, advice on bomb making, and talk of potential targets. In some recent racially motivated attacks, police believe the attackers were inspired by online writings and manifestos. It was the direct uh, reasoning behind the 2018 Pittsburgh synagogue shooting. It was the direct inspiration for the Christchurch mosque massacre. Um, people get don't get radicalized in absentia for the most part. Like there are networks of propaganda, there are networks of encouraging terror, there are networks of radicalized people radicalizing each other in the hopes that if you do enough encouragement of stochastic terror, someone's gonna act on the dare you're putting down. And all of these groups are just always telling you, like, go do it, you know, be the hero, be the king, like, save the white race. And you hear that day after day after day after day after day. Maybe you'll do it. This is what she sees when she's monitoring these groups. People spurring each other on to commit violence. And it's why she wants to out them before they do. Her goal is to make their identities public through her writing, sharing their details with news outlets and deplatforming them. One of her biggest gets was a neo-Nazi in Ukraine who oversaw a fan group for the Christchurch mosque shooter on Telegram. Now, this time, she disguised herself as Ashlyn, a gun-toting Aryan girl. After a few months of exchanging messages with this Nazi, he declared his love and ended up revealing his identity to her. You exposed him. Yeah. And so the last thing I said to him was, hey, I have something to tell you, David. I'm an anti-fascist and you're about to be exposed. And he said, I'm scared. And I said, good. Fuck you, you genocidal asshole. Bye. And then I blocked him. In the world of online hate, though, Talia knows that getting rid of one Nazi from one channel doesn't mean they're gone forever. You'll see the same screen names pop up. Like, 
you know, on Telegram, it's like there's tons of overlap between these different channels, even ones that like have sort of ostensibly mildly different outlooks, like ones like focused on Gen Z racists and ones focused on pagan racists and ones focused on eco-fascism or whatever, but you'll see the same screen names pop up. Like the jumping around, to me, I think it's a pretty useful cautionary tale in sort of getting too hung up on any one group in particular. Like it's salacious, it's sexy, it's interesting to be like, look at these wacky Nazis and like, look at this group that they formed. But like at the end of the day, what you have to keep your eye on is the networks. Uh, but the group is less important than the network that give rise to it. It's mem- If the group is destroyed, its members will reform. Um, not all of them, but some. Like it's playing whack-a-mole. Like, whack-a-mole is, is worth it, because sometimes not all the moles come back. And just like whack-a-mole, one day you pop up on the Proud Boys page, the next you're on the Patriot Front team. You aren't bound to any one leader or even any one country, because you're united by your race and your determination to protect that race, even violently. That's how Chris Hood operates, and that's how white nationalists all over the world operate. The U.S. government sees this as its most pressing threat. But what exactly is it doing about it? I think we as a government need to do a really good job of researching and analyzing what these groups are all about. This is a a nascent movement for us to try to get a better understanding of how these groups are connected, how they're operating, how they're recruiting, And I think for now, we still have a little bit of a ways to go. That's next time on Verified. There's so much more for you to discover about this story and what's coming up on the show. You can find us on Twitter at Verapod. We're also on Instagram and Facebook if you just search for Verified Pod. And if you have a story to tell us, send a voicemail or an email to verified at scripts.com. That's verified at S-C-R-I-P-P-S dot com. If you like the show and believe in this kind of storytelling, please give us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. It'll help more people discover Verified. I'm your host, Natasha Del Toro. This is Verified. Thanks for listening.